0: Welcome to The Lead. I'm Brianna Keeler. Jake Tapper is on assignment. We begin today with a big development in the investigations into former President Donald Trump. Attorney General Merrick Garland announcing he is appointing a special counsel to oversee the criminal investigation of Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection and attempts to overturn the 2020 election, as well as the probe of the classified documents seized from his Mar-a-Lago estate. Here's Garland explaining this extraordinary move.
1: Based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election, and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel.
0: The attorney general is naming former acting U.S. attorney Jack Smith as special counsel. Smith is a career prosecutor who currently serves as the chief prosecutor for the special court of The Hague, where he investigated war crimes. Garland says Smith's appointment will not slow down the pace of the investigations, which CNN has learned have actually ramped up here in recent weeks, with prosecutors in both cases sending out multiple new subpoenas to witnesses. Donald Trump is also dismissing the appointment of the special counsel just moments ago, calling the move unfair and political. CNN senior legal affairs correspondent Paula Reed reports on what to expect from the new special counsel and what his appointment means for the former president.
1: In certain extraordinary cases, it is in the public interest to appoint a special prosecutor to independently manage an investigation and prosecution.
2: Attorney General Merrick Garland naming former Justice Department official Jack Smith to independently head up two major criminal investigations focused on former President Donald Trump. The move coming just days after Trump announced his third run for president. Underscoring the legal jeopardy the former president faces, as CNN has learned prosecutors recently sent out a fresh round of subpoenas in both probes.
1: Based on recent developments including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel.
2: Jack Smith has previously served in multiple roles at the Justice Department, and since 2018, he has been the chief prosecutor for the special court of The Hague investigating war crimes in Kosovo. He will now oversee the criminal investigation into whether Trump mishandled national secrets after the FBI seized thousands of documents from his Mar-a-Lago residence in August, including some marked classified that were taken from the White House.
3: They should give me immediately back
4: everything that they've taken from me because it's mine. It's mine.
2: The special counsel will also now oversee aspects of the investigation into the attack on the Capitol on January 6, 2021. (laughs) And what Trump's role may have been leading up to that day.
3: And we're going to the Capitol.
2: Justice officials had hoped appointing a special counsel would help insulate the department from political blowback while investigating and possibly charging a presidential candidate. But tonight, a Trump spokesman called the appointment a political stunt. And Brianna, as we've seen in previous investigations, it will likely be impossible to shield this work from political attacks.
0: Yeah, it certainly will be. Paula, thank you for that report. I do want to bring in CNN's Kristen Holmes. Uh, Kristen, Trump started this week announcing his presidential campaign. He's ending it here with this special counsel announcement. How's he reacting to this news?
5: Well, the former president is lashing out at this special counsel announcement. He just did an interview moments after the appointment of the special counsel. And here's what he said. He said, I have been proven innocent for six years on everything from fake impeachments to Mueller who found no collusion. And now I have to do it more. It is not acceptable. It is so unfair. This was political politicization of justice. The Republican Party has to stand up and fight he also goes on to say he's not going to partake in any of this now we know that his legal team had been dreading this prospect that they did not want this to prolong the investigation but i talked to people around his campaign who said that they were prepared for this that they believed that this could be a possibility and they were ready and clearly here we can see from donald trump he's reacting like he always does dismissing this and playing the victim
0: yeah you can hear how he's going to play this on the campaign trail he always takes what is a legal negative and tries to often successfully make it into a political positive, at least with his base.
5: Well, that's absolutely right. And there is a hope among those around him who particularly saw his announcement, thought he was subdued, thought that maybe he doesn't have the magnetism, doesn't have the energy, that incidents like this, like anything involving these investigations will actually rally his base, rally Republicans. And you hear that in that final line there, the Republican Party has to stand up and fight. It is not a coincidence that he's talking about this at a time when Republicans are turning their back on the former president, saying it's time to move on from him. He is bringing the party into this after he made an announcement. And it's not surprising because... We know that Trump wants to have that support from the party, particularly going into 2024, as part of his announcement was to freeze the field anyway and put himself in front.
0: Yeah, it'll be so telling if this is animating or not. Kristen Holmes, thank you. Uh, Let's bring in CNN's Jeremy Diamond. He is at the White House. So, Jeremy, did President Biden have any idea that this was coming? Because this has all been kept pretty separate here historically from the White House.
6: Uh, Yeah, that's right, Brianna. Well, news of the appointment of this special counsel broke as President Biden was walking into a room with business executives and labor leaders. And as soon as the president finished speaking, I and other reporters in the room uh, shouted at the president to ask him for his reaction to this special counsel. Now, he didn't answer, but it also appears that he didn't know at the time. And that's because I'm told by multiple White House officials that the White House did not get any heads up from the Justice Department about the decision uh, or the or the planned announcement uh, of the appointment of this special counsel. Another White House official emphasized that point by saying that the Department of Justice makes decisions about its criminal investigations independently, uh, saying we are not involved. And that's all very intentional. Of course, we have seen that President Biden, you know, he succeeded a president uh, who uh, really blurred those lines, who sought to repeatedly interfere with the Justice Department's independence and its investigations. And so President Biden, one of his first tasks coming into office was to try and reestablish that bright red line between the Justice Department and the White House, particularly as it relates to ongoing criminal investigations. And that has been the White House's motto here, as they have had to uh, been asked questions about various criminal investigations, including those into the former president or also the criminal investigation into the president's son. Uh, They have repeatedly given the same line, which is that they do not comment on active investigations and they respect the Justice Department's independence. Brianna.
0: Jeremy Diamond, live for us at the White House. Thank you so much. And let's talk about all of this now with our legal experts. We have Ellie Honig and Jennifer Rogers with us. Jennifer, does this special counsel announcement indicate anything about Trump's chances of being indicted?
7: Well, Brianna, I think that it means that they're ramping this thing up. I mean, you wouldn't bother appointing a special counsel if they had determined that they weren't going to charge him and they were just going to wind it down over the next weeks and months. So it's certainly not 100 percent uh, certain that they will charge him, but they're pushing ahead. Uh, they're issuing subpoenas. And this definitely means that there is at least a good chance that ultimately there will be charges filed.
0: Ellie, Trump's response to this was to say, I announce or, or you know, I announce I'm running. And then they announced that they're going to do this with the special counsel. You heard the attorney general making it clear that, yes, that was the consideration, but in a way it was to take it out of this political mix. What do you think of the timing here?
3: Well, Brady, the whole point of doing this, of appointing a special counsel, is to avoid the appearance of a conflict of interest. And according to the attorney general, Donald Trump's official announcement that we heard earlier this week, that was the trigger. And he said, we essentially can't have a scenario where you have me, Merrick Garland, as Joe Biden's attorney general, investigating somebody who is likely or potentially going to be running against Joe Biden in 2024. But the response is exactly what we could have expected. We're already starting to hear it from Donald Trump, which is essentially if this is a conflict of interest now, why wasn't it a conflict of interest when this started over a year ago? It's not some surprise that Donald Trump's running. He's long been considered a front runner. And so I think we're hearing from Trump and we'll hear from others who support him. Essentially, DOJ is almost admitting that what's been done up to now potentially has been subject to a conflict of interest and they're only addressing it now, but they may argue it's too late.
0: Jennifer, what do you think?
7: Well, I I don't know. I mean, listen, I don't think you can expect a special counsel to be appointed at the outset of an investigation before you really know what you have as you're gathering facts. I mean, Ellie's point is well taken. We're certainly going to hear those arguments from the Trump team. But I think that Merrick Garland has been so deliberate about everything that he's done, so thoughtful, and they really have bent over backwards in, in all of these matters to be fair to the president to give him more process, frankly, than anyone else would have gotten. I mean, look how the search at Mar-a-Lago was handled. And so, you know, I think this is another step in Merrick Garland's attempts to be more than fair to the former president. And I think the special counsel is part and parcel of that practice. So I think after all is said and done, it should be said that he is treating this about as carefully as he can. You know, when Robert Mueller
0: was announced as special counsel, I mean, everyone, of course, knew who he was. And here, when Jack Smith is announced, it's interesting, Ellie, a lot of people don't know who he is. He's not a very well-known figure. And I wonder if that was maybe on purpose.
3: Oh I'm sure it had to be deliberate. The special counsel regulations that the person say that the person has to be somebody from outside of the federal government now which Jack Smith is and somebody with a strong reputation for independence. If this was somebody who was already well known, there would be a book on the person one way or another. Now I am quite certain that Donald Trump and his lawyers are digging into Jack Smith right now and looking to see if he ever donated $5 to either political party or went to a fundraiser or anything like that. But I I think it was a smart move. The whole point here is to create at least an appearance of independence. And so if you can get someone who is both essentially anonymous, not well known in the public, but also has the background that Jack Smith has, has the resume, he's been a state prosecutor, a federal prosecutor, a war crimes prosecutor over many decades. I think that's exactly what you should be looking for in a a special counsel.
0: And we know the CNN reporting on this, sources have been telling uh, our reporters Jennifer, that Trump's legal team has been dreading this. And I wonder, you know, if you were a Trump lawyer, besides digging up Oppo on Jack Smith, what would be your next course of action here? You
7: no, know, that's a great question. I mean, this obviously has been ongoing for some time, this investigation and all of its various tentacles. So, I don't know what they're going to do specifically. I think they'll want to see who joins the team, if if Smith brings in people, other people from outside of government, or if he just kind of adopts the prosecutors who have already been working on this. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to shift their focus a little bit because he's going to come in. It'll take a little time for him to get up to speed. And then he says he's he's full steam ahead without some of the same concerns and, and uh, ideas towards deference, maybe, that Merrick Garland and his team have had. So I see why they're worried about it.
0: Ellie, what would you do if you were a Trump lawyer right now?
3: I would handle this like any other criminal prosecution. I mean, Jack Smith, now as independent counsel, as special counsel, has the same powers that any assistant U.S. attorney or any DOJ prosecutor has. I would tell my client to be quiet, to stop talking, to make no public statements. We know lawyers have tried that. We know that's not going to work with Donald Trump. One thing I would try to do, do though, is establish contact with the special counsel. This happens quite a bit. People who are in the crosshairs of an investigation establish working relationships with the prosecutors who are investigating them. You can try with the ultimate goal of trying to convince the prosecutor it's not a good idea to charge me. That happens all the time. So I'd I look to do it that way as well.
0: Ellie and Jennifer, thank you so much for helping us make sense of what's a very big development today. Thanks, Bray. So how is this new special counsel going to affect the 2024 presidential race? We are going to get into that next. Plus, an historic storm, it's crippling parts of New York and so powerful it's producing thunder snow. And new today, police releasing information about where four college students went before they were stabbed to death in their off-campus apartment. But will it lead to their killer or killers? And we're back with our politics lead, Donald Trump, already lashing out at the special counsel, declaring he won't participate in the investigation and calling the appointment unfair and political. So let's talk about this. Uh, Joni, you know, Trump obviously has a very well-rehearsed playbook. We know how he's going to play this on the campaign. I don't think it's any surprise. What I'm curious about is how you think other Republicans who are considering a primary run might be looking at this and how this may or may not affect them.
8: Yeah, no, I think that's right. And Trump's response is aesopian. The scorpion has to sting the frog. Trump has to say that it's uh, the deep state and it's rigged and all that. It seems to me that this, particularly after the midterms, creates even more of an opportunity for for Republicans to say, this just proves that we need to turn the page. We need a fresh start. We don't want four more years of this. We don't need the baggage. Donald Trump was great, blah, 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 blah. Um, Whether they jump on that or not... It's it's sort of too soon to tell. Um, I would guess that, uh, that Ron DeSantis will practice his longstanding policy of just not saying anything and letting the events color everything. Uh, but I, there's, I, I don't think you're going to see a rally around Trump like you did after the Mar-a-Lago search.
9: And Republicans in Congress, now that they have control, are already indicating they're going to go after Biden directly, Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas so at the Department of Homeland Security. So this announcement from Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice gives the Biden administration an opportunity to keep the insurrection, to keep democracy's fragile narrative front and center, and to have that be focused on Trump, who is now a candidate for president again. Do
0: you think Trump, Naira, is more vulnerable because
9: of this politically? He's certainly more vulnerable legally than he has been in a long time. But the challenge on the left that we're seeing as far as Democrats and their unity is that it might be too little too late, right? That, that this was something that Democrats would have hoped would have been resolved as part of the, uh, the follow-up in Congress, uh, the congressional hearings. And now that they've lost control there, having a special counsel does not necessarily get them the wins that they need and the points on the board in time for the presidential. What do you guys think of Jack Smith? As, as the pick here for special counsel? Well, like I said in the break, it's completely political.
10: According to Donald Trump's statement, he just hasn't figured out how yet. Jack Smith seems to be really, by all accounts, completely separated from American politics. He's not even on this continent. He's prosecuting war crimes at The Hague. Apparently has a very um, hard-charging, nonpartisan record. He's prosecuted both Democrats and Republicans. But Donald Trump was always going to make this political. In fact, there's some who think that part of his campaign motivation was to try and say that this investigation is political because I'm running for president. But here are the facts prior to this. Republicans are making no bones about it. They're going to haul Merrick Garland up before Congress. They've already sent him just this morning a letter saying preserve documents and he would have become the punching bag. He's still going to become the punching bag. Does that mean that he allows that to happen and he doesn't try to do everything that he can to prevent that? Yeah, And that's what this is. I don't know how you prevent that. I mean, just because someone is unknown
11: doesn't mean they're not going to come to be defined. In fact, in that vacuum, it's a little bit worse. I think we saw what happened with Mueller's reputation. It's very hard um, to kind of skate through Trump's world and not come out uh, reputationally damaged. Um, But this is also interesting because we are in the era of the sort of semi-independent special counsel. This is not the Ken Starr independent counsel era. This is... Semi-dependent, which means that if you're spending a lot of time bothering Merrick Garland and messing with his reputation, you can also then say, oh, this has tainted this investigation. One other thing is you talked about whether it would hurt him politically. It's one of five investigations going on over his head like he's lived his life in a legal cloud. Um, So how he punches his way through in this particular environment Yes, it will be interesting to watch how Republicans deal with it. Yeah, also, I mean,
8: he's a little bulletproof, at least from first blush. When he was the head of the Public Integrity Unit, he closed down without filing charges uh, investigations into Tom DeLay, Doolittle, other Republicans. Um, There's a lot of actually people on the left saying, my God, this is not the right kind, on Twitter at least, right, saying this does not look like the kind of special counsel we want because, look, he had to let these other Republicans skate. I think that is going to be a really hard talking point for Trump defenders to get around yeah. given that he did, he did something that was sort of in the partisan interest of Republicans the in the past. The
9: scope of the investigation is going to be interesting, right? That now that it's independent and it can continue potentially past the Biden administration, uh, their, the attorney general hinted that he would like uh, the special prosecutor to look at beyond Mar-a-Lago, beyond national security documents, but look at others who may have been involved in supporting the January 6th insurrection. That could include Ginny Thomas, wife of Supreme Court Justice. We'll see where
0: else this goes, certainly. Nira, you mentioned before... Uh, Republican control of the House and the investigations that could ensue here. James Comer, who is the incoming chairman of the Oversight Committee, actually spoke with CNN's Pamela Brown about what that could look like as it pertains to President Biden's son, Hunter.
6: There's
12: no plans to subpoena Joe Biden. There are plans to subpoena Hunter Biden. If I were Hunter Biden, Pam, I would want to come before my committee improve my innocence.
13: Why then would you not subpoena Joe Biden if this is all about Joe Biden? Well, it's
12: complicated to subpoena President of the United States.
0: Oh, it is complicated, Adi. It's not unprecedented, though. So I wonder what it tells you that he's ruling out doing it at this point.
11: I, I, I think basically they have messed around with their oversight responsibility so much over the last couple of years that they've undermined it as an actual tool of governance. And now these kind of accusations of it being weaponized are, um, you know, they resonate with the public to some extent. So one thing to look out for is, are they going to just flood the zone with so many other random investigations that who knows where Trump's investigation is in the mix? Hunter's being investigated. Joe's being investigated. What does it all mean? Like, I think part of it is to create a little bit of a fog of
10: war, uh, for the voter, it tells me they don't have the connective tissue to connect what Hunter did to anything that the president did when he was vice president or when he was
8: president. But do you because need it, or did, is like the journey the well, destination? I think still Just do doing it, it they'll, out they'll in the still air. they still it. But I mean, there is a DOJ in investigation end, into Hunter as well.
10: There's a DOJ investigation into Hunter, but. The connective tissue here to Joe Biden is what they're promising. It tells- and it, it tells me, let me finish, it tells me that they don't have it because it's been a couple of years that they've been looking into Hunter and his laptop. Now, there'll be a lot of investigations, and the reason why there'll be a lot of investigations is because the investigations are the agenda. What they ran on was crime and inflation, but now that they're in power, McCarthy's going to have such a narrow, narrow majority. I cannot. I test everyone at this table to come up with what's going to be the bipartisan deal that Kevin McCarthy is going to deliver, that a Louis Gohmert is or a Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to support, and that's going to get through the Senate. It's not going to happen. So the agenda is the
9: investigation. To Heidi's point, that that that's exactly the challenge Republicans are going to face is if they're already at this moment of their victory talking about a conspiracy theories and investigations into the current president, they're missing an opportunity for an affirmative agenda that conceivably they were just given a mandate to execute.
0: Certainly, there may be efforts to pull the Biden White House into this, right? And when we saw efforts in congressional oversight with the Trump administration, there was so much stonewalling. I ask all of you, is the Biden White House going to be any different in that regard, do you think? Does anyone think they will be?
8: I think rhetorically they'll be different, to be sure. Um, I just want to say, like, I think there's a colorable argument for investigating Hunter Biden. I think there's a colorable argument into investigating the origins of COVID. I think there are a lot of these investigations that Democrats didn't want to do and they controlled the House. I just have very little confidence, for the reasons Heidi was getting at, that this Republican Congress with this narrow majority will do anything other than... throw out a lot of performative nonsense rather than really getting to the heart of a lot of this The
9: stuff. Biden administration has staked its reputation on this idea of rule of law and democracy. So rhetorically, we'll have to honor that. But also, based on past precedent of Democratic uh, administrations, they have not been in contempt of Congress in order to be able to give testimony. There, there are ways to comply that were not taken by Trump officials. Sure,
0: And we will see how this all plays out. It's going to be a very interesting next couple, two years. Thank you all for the conversation. And a note... Audie, you have a excellent new CNN podcast that is just out. It is called The Assignment with Audie Cornish, and it is available right now wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you all for coming on. Ahead, the brutal reality this winter with heating bills skyrocketing and homeowners who say they're forced to choose now between heating their homes and feeding their families. Our national lead, Winter's Grand Entrance. Right now, a fire hose of lake effect snow is slamming the Great Lakes. Six states are under winter weather alerts as some areas brace for a historic weekend of whiteouts and several feet of snow expected over the course of a few hours. Police in Buffalo, New York, even issued a driving ban for part of the city. That's where CNN's Polo Sandoval is with what is now a deadly storm.
12: Heavy snowfall, thunder, lightning. A potential historic snowstorm is pummeling areas surrounding the Great Lakes with western New York State in the bullseye.
14: It is coming down
6: very hard right now.
12: The storm expected to dump more than four feet in and around the city of Buffalo. It prompted the NFL to move the Buffalo Bills' Sunday game to Detroit. Highmark Stadium, their usual home, left completely covered in white. The National Weather Service and New York officials warning the snowfall will produce life-threatening conditions into the weekend.
3: It can turn very quickly. This is a very unpredictable storm.
12: Even with the warning, some people in Buffalo don't seem too worried.
5: We live in Buffalo. It's expected. That's all I could say.
12: <laughs> We've been through this before. It's not, to me, it's no big deal, but... My family wants everything done. (laughs) Officials reminding people to stay inside and off the road, saying there is a travel ban in South Buffalo, with many flights in and out of the region canceled.
3: Please stay indoors. Do not go out unless it is an absolute emergency.
12: National Weather Service forecasters explain lake effect snow is fueling this extraordinary storm. That occurs when cold air blows over warmer lake water, picking up more moisture and leading to higher snow amounts downstream. Climate experts warn water temperatures in the Great Lakes grow increasingly warmer each year, shortening the length of time ice covers the surface during the winter. I just want to remind everybody that there is a lake effect warning still in effect. So this thing is still moving. So we need to still take this seriously. And officials here in Erie County, New York, have confirmed at least two storm-related deaths Uh, earlier today. These were two individuals that, uh, according to officials, suffered uh, a cardiac event while they were uh, snow, uh, or at least clearing that snow. And officials here, Brianna, basically reminding authorities that this is the kind of like wet snow uh, that takes extra effort to actually clear out. So they're reminding those people, especially those that have a pre-existing heart condition, if they have everything they need at home, to simply stay home, let it continue to pile up, and then once the threat for more snow passes, then they can help getting, uh, getting it cleared up. Back to you, Brianna.
0: Yeah, take it easy if you can. Polo, Sandoval, in Buffalo, thank you for that. As the winter months set in, many Americans are worried. Will they be able to stay warm? Home heating prices are rising across the country as Americans are already struggling to make ends meet because of inflation. CNN's Gabe Cohen went to Pennsylvania, where heating costs are so high, a mother told us she's waiting until her kids come home for the holiday to turn on the heat.
14: Good morning, Heater Hotline. May I help you? Anxious calls pour into Philadelphia's heater hotline. What is it, gas or oil? Families worried for winter on these okay, first frigid dates.
15: Okay, all right, yes. let me look. And
14: Charmaine Johnson can relate.
6: God bless you too.
14: Thank you. The 63-year-old works at this nonprofit, but she's also struggling to afford heat. She just paid more than thousand dollars to fill her oil tank. I didn't even fill it. That, that. It did. It's not even full. And how long will that last? Uh, probably about February, January, or February. It's just another brutal price hike. Are you getting assistance? No, no, I don't qualify for anything. So she's bundling up to keep the heat turned down. It's like you live living in an igloo. Home heating costs are skyrocketing yet again this winter, up 18% nationally, on top of last year's 17% spike. Largely driven by the war in Ukraine, OPEC cuts, a surge in energy exports, and a high demand for natural gas in the electricity sector. Heating a home with natural gas could cost an extra 25 percent, and electric 11 percent. But the steepest hike is on heating oil, expected to rise 45 percent, squeezing roughly 5 million households, mostly in the Northeast. Are you not cold? I am. The heat is off at Tim Wisely's home near Philadelphia, and somehow he's in short sleeves. It's 50, 55 degrees in here. To me, that's not unbearable yet. At what point do you turn the heat on? My teeth chatter. The 67-year-old is retired, living month-to-month on Social Security. He lost his wife last year. And his medical bills are adding to a long list of straining expenses. You can't go food shopping and get oil. It's one or the other. Are you worried about running out of oil this certain? Absolutely. And it's going to happen. It's a horrible feeling. It's, it's
13: a feeling I wouldn't wish on anyone.
12: I'm working like hell to deal with the energy prices.
14: This winter, the federal government is distributing $4.5 billion to help families pay their bills through the low-income home energy assistance program. Annette Thomas says she and her husband received $500 from that program, but it was only enough to fill a third of their oil tank. How long will that last?
2: Maybe two weeks, two, three weeks.
14: They're trying to pay off their electric bill to avoid a shutoff, so they're using space heaters and electric blankets, hoping to save that heating oil for when their kids come home for Thanksgiving. I can see the emotion in
10: your eyes. Yeah,
2: try not to cry. These aren't luxuries. necessities and it's a struggle so yeah it's upsetting it is
14: gabe cohen cnn philadelphia
0: and next the u.s response after north korea tests one of its most powerful missiles yet and vice president kamala harris arriving in the region Topping our world lead today, North Korea launching two missiles in two days and the latest had the potential to reach the United States. CNN's Paula Hancock has more on this latest provocation.
15: North Korea launching a second missile in just two days, drawing the attention of world leaders, including U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris, attending the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in Thailand. Japan's defense minister believes this intercontinental ballistic missile could theoretically travel more than 9,300 miles, meaning it could hit mainland United States, potentially fitted with a nuclear warhead. Forces at the U.S. Misawa Air Base in Japan were ordered to shelter in place shortly after the launch.
7: This conduct by North Korea most recently is a brazen violation of multiple. UN security resolutions. It destabilizes security in the region and unnecessarily raises tensions.
15: Harris, met with allied leaders at the sidelines of the summit, all condemned the launch and vowed to work closely together. Physical responses were swift. Japan dispatched aircraft, an F-15 filming this, what they believed to be the contrails or vapour trails of the ballistic missile. The US and South Korean air forces took to the air in a joint drill, simulating aerial strikes on mobile missile launchers.
14: I don't think this necessarily represents a game-changer. Uh, we've known that North Korea has the ability to range the continental United States for more than five years now. Uh, so the basic picture between the United States and North Korea remains the same.
15: The launch follows strong words from North Korea's Foreign Minister Chae sun hee who warned the US of a fiercer military counteraction and condemned President Joe Biden's discussions about Kim Jong-un's missile programme at the G20 summit earlier this week.
12: I'm confident China is not looking for North Korea to engage in further escalatory uh, means.
15: But North Korea continues to break its own record for firing missiles with 34 days of launches this year. State-run media showing that Kim Jong-un actually led this launch. We're hearing from KCNA that it was a new type of intercontinental ballistic missile, the Hwasan-17. Also, uh, quoting Kim Jong-un as saying it is the U.S. and hostile forces which makes it necessary to bolster their nuclear deterrence. Brianna.
0: All right, Paula Hancock's following this from South Korea. Thank you for that report. Also in our world lead, in response to the announcement that the Title 42 immigration policy would come to an end next month, aid workers at just one part of the U.S.-Mexico border estimate that about 2,000 migrants are mobilizing to cross over. CNN's David Culver reports from the Mexican side of the border with Texas.
16: We start early only to realize they are already on the move. From the Mexican side of the border, we watch these migrant families nearing closer to their final destination, or so they hope. You can see these folks have already gone across the river. Technically, they're already in the U.S. They'll continue along the wall here till they get an entrance where they'll likely be detained and, and start their process in entering the U.S. We continue further down along the Rio Grande and find this camp city. It sits in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, opposite El Paso, Texas. Vamos a intentarlo por segunda vez. La segunda vez. This is the second time. Jorrebel, her be- husband, be- and their five-year-old son, to be- motivated be- to try again after learning this week, a U.S. federal judge struck down what's called Title 42. The Trump-era policy allows border agents to turn away migrants crossing illegally, all in the name of COVID prevention. Since it took effect in March 2020, there have been nearly 2.5 million expulsions, most under the Biden administration. What do you know of, of Title 42? He said two days ago they pero heard hoy, that they got rid of it. Hoy... Not exactly. The order remains in effect until December 21st. Are you scared? Un poco. Siempre está la duda porque no sabemos qué es lo que pueda pasar, pero... he said he's a little scared. It's always hard because you don't know what's gonna happen. After a tearful hug with a friend, they cautiously inch closer. Dozens do the same over the course of just a few hours. We also meet Rafael Rojas, about to follow in their footsteps. It's not your clothes? No. Wearing clothes donated by Americans, he recounts the painful journey from Venezuela, walking through treacherous jungles and witnessing death, a lot of death. But for some, like nine-year-old Rubimota, it was an adventure. That's at least how her innocent mind remembers it. She narrates the same four-month trek that most in this camp took, starting in Venezuela, then...
14: Colombia. Colombia. Panama. Honduras. Costa Rica. Nicaragua. Guatemala.
16: Guatemala.
2: Mexico.
16: The dream destination? Ruby can't remember the last time she was in a classroom, but she hopes to go to school in New York. One month here. Ruby's family wants to cross immediately if they could find a loving home for Linda. She, too, part of the family, but pets aren't allowed in. Back at the crossing site, this man's mother crying over FaceTime, not knowing the next time she'll see his face. Others forge ahead, a seemingly endless stream, one that continues uphill. Brianna, just over my shoulder here. This is the Venezuelan flag here in Mexico, and that's because the vast majority of these folks are from Venezuela. So the Department of Homeland Security, they realized that. They've allowed now 24,000 Venezuelans to enter under a pathway program. The issue is, Brianna, we're talking about one of the largest humanitarian crises in the world, and you've got millions that are hoping to get into the U.S.
0: Yeah, so many. David Culver, thank you for that report. Next, the new timeline into the stabbing deaths of four Idaho college students as we also learn at least one victim tried to fight back. New information about the murders of four college students in Idaho. We now know more about the final hours of all of the victims as well as the surviving roommates who police say could be key to the investigation. CNN's Veronica Miracle has a look at what we're learning.
13: A bar, a fraternity house, and a taco truck. All locations the victims visited the night of their murders. Police releasing a map showing those exact locations for the first time, hoping new leads will break the case.
4: Uh, We're looking for additional tips and leads, and we believe that releasing information about the location of the victims throughout the night uh, might generate some information that we can follow up on.
13: The timeline showing the precise movements of all four victims, Ethan Chapin, Zaina Kernodal, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Goncalves, in the hours before their deaths. Police say all of the victims were home by 1.45 a.m. and that their bodies were found on the second and third floors of the home. Is the first floor where the roommates were sleeping
4: yeah we have not identified where the roommates were
13: but the biggest question is who killed them and why there are still no suspects
4: we still contend that this was targeted Uh, we cannot divulge the information of why we believe that or how that is integral to this investigation
13: police are clarifying why they're not releasing more information about the victim's roommates who were at home during the attacks
4: uh, in a case, someone may potentially be a victim, they may be a witness, or they may be a suspect. In this case, we don't know what the roommates are exactly at this time.
13: Zaina Kornodal's father saying he talked to his daughter the night she died.
4: I heard from her oh, yeah. before we went we out. I think
16: the midnight is the last yeah. time we heard from her, and then she's fine. They were just... Hanging out at home.
13: Her father, too distraught to be interviewed on camera, saying he has learned his daughter had defensive wounds, showing she fought her attacker.
0: Bruises, Bruises,
16: you know, maybe
4: hurt by the knife or yeah. whatever. She got, she's a tough kid. Whatever she wanted to do, she, she could do it.
13: The county coroner confirmed to CNN that some of the students likely had defensive stab wounds to the hands, and there were no signs of sexual assault or an issue of drugs or alcohol.
2: But each student had multiple stab wounds? That's correct.
8: That's
13: really the main thing that I saw was a lot of blood. Is there any indication that had somebody found these people earlier than when they were discovered
10: that they could have been saved? No, I haven't seen anything that would lead me to think they could have been saved if somebody had called in earlier.
13: As for the investigation, there's still no weapon recovered and no motive. And for the parents, no answers about why their children aren't coming home this Thanksgiving. And this crime scene here, this crime scene here, still very active. Investigators taking photographs behind me in this bedroom on the third floor where we now know those victims were found. Brianna.
0: Let's hope they find out more soon. Veronica Miracle, thank you for that report. This Sunday on State of the Union, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries as he launches a bid for Democratic leadership. Also outgoing Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. Sunday morning, 9 Eastern and again at noon. Up next in the Situation Room, the potential impact of this new special counsel on the 2024 presidential race.
14: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together.